0: It's time to light up a cigar and talk about business and cars. Are you ready to get the insider edge and pick up a few ideas that you can incorporate into your business today? Your host, Brandon Green, has 25-plus years in the automotive industry with 10-plus years owning his own business. Together with a diverse lineup of guests from all industries, he's asking the right questions to get you the answers you seek. All right, everybody. Welcome to Business Cars and Cigars. I have an awesome individual with me today. Uh, The marketing savage himself, Mr. John Hiley, is here. Uh, Tell us a lot about what he does and uh, help you guys improve on some things, too. This is definitely the dude to talk to about marketing. So, John, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what you do and
1: Yeah, my man, you know, it's interesting uh, because I know you're talking to like a big car audience, and, uh, you know, that's the industry that I was pretty much born in. Uh, I don't even say that I was, you know, brought up in it or an industry that I started in. I was actually born in that industry. Uh, In fact, you know, something that a lot of people may not uh, know about me uh, unless they follow me in the automotive industry is that literally, like, I painted my very first car when I was like 13 years old they had a program, uh, at school and I I was one of them kids. Like I didn't like school, man, to be honest with you. And I didn't really see the value of going to a place and learn a bunch of shit that I really didn't think I was ever going to use. Uh, and I just really didn't like authority or anything like that when I was a kid. So, um, they put me in this program where I was able to go to school half a day and I was able to leave and work half a day well, my grandfather, he had a little, um, little used car lot. And it was a little car lot. You could probably only fit about 15 cars on it. Um, but he sold about 350 cars a year. So he was very well known in the town. And, you know, he, as soon as he got him, he sold them. And, uh, he actually, uh, taught me how to paint my very first car. I mean, I was doing body work when I was like, you know, 11, 12 years old, I was out there sanding on cars. My uncle was a mechanic. Uh, learned how to do detailing at a very early age. Cause that was what he had me doing, you know, to begin with, I had to clean up the cars, things like that, get them ready. I mean, just all kinds of crazy work, but I ended up painting my first car when I was, uh, you know, at the age of 13 years old. And I still remember it was one of them two-toned, you remember them uh, Astro minivans, like like not just the regular ones, but the ones that were kind of tricked out, the ones that had the the roof on top of them. They had the uh, little TV player in there and the wood and all that stuff, but it was like a minivan, you know, at the same time. And I remember that being the very first vehicle that I'd ever painted. And, uh, man, I just fell in love with automobiles. As you know, I'm, uh, I'm always looking for a decent car. I mean, I've had so many different cars throughout my life. It's kind of like why I do what I do, you know, (laughs) we all, we all need these like drivers or we need these things that keep us motivated. And I'm just constantly, man, you, you look at me on my phone, I'm just like looking through cars and seeing, uh, you know, like right now the market values just went insane, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's Um, crazy. Yeah. So the used car market's on fire right now, but uh, yeah. So I pretty much grew up in the automotive industry, man. And uh, you know, it took me, uh, I was a salesman early on. Uh, I even sold one of my very first cars uh, at the age of like, it was very young. I can't remember. It was very young. It was even younger than that at, you know, 11, 12 years old. I ended up selling my first car and I sold it to uh, a neighbor kid who was just getting his his driver's license? So he was like 15 years old, and uh, I remember out there demoing the car for him and taking him through, and you know, uh, just really uh, at that at that age, it was just a bunch of bullshit. I was like opening the door, closing it, like, hey, the door opens, the door closes. Look, our <laughs> starts right. And uh, and I remember you know him and uh, him and his dad coming back and actually buying that car. So um, at an early age, I just knew that I had something with marketing, with sales. I mean, this was just, you know, you know, in my blood Um, all the way to the point where I like to tell people that, you know, later on in life, I became a street pharmacist. And, uh, <laughs> essentially, you know, essentially for many of you, y'all out here in the automotive industry, you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, but essentially I started out, you know, selling anything I could get my hands on. And that included, you know, uh, things like all different kinds of marijuana and, you know, all, all types of pot and, uh, LSD mushrooms, you know, anything that I could get my hands on, I would get it. And man, I seen the markup on that stuff. And I was like, wow, I could make a ton of money. And uh, that's the very first thing that got me into a lot of trouble as well, man. Um, So literally, when I was uh, 19 years old, we had our our first uh, child. And uh, that's about around the time they kicked the doors and dragged me out of there. (laughs) Kicked down the doors, dragged me out of there and took me in for my first uh, big rap. And uh, that was ultimately, that was also my very first wake up call because I've always been an individual that you know, they almost had to kick in my door and drag me out of there before I would learn my lesson and then start doing things a different way. So early on, that's, uh, I, mean, that, that's my early life is, you know, auto, you know, cars and I ended up, uh, you know, working, getting in, got into being a street pharmacist and, uh, you know, still to today, that's definitely got the highest margins. <laughs> uh, you know, the one thing about when you sell like, you know, weed or when you sell uh you know uh drugs like you really don't have to be a good salesman uh, it's just got to be good stuff and then people will buy it <laughs> <laughs> that shit sells itself <laughs> yeah and i'm happy i actually i don't and the funny thing is like i don't even smoke weed like now and uh you know of course years ago when i was a kid and stuff like that i don't even drink alcohol now i don't do any of that stuff but uh it was kind of you know where i grew up man and and um i mean it was it was uh just a very uh, regular occurrence to like one of my good friends growing up was a crack dealer. And uh, you know, where I grew up in Ohio was just, um, man, there was just all kinds of crazy stuff going on. I, I can still remember the day when I walked in and seen my buddy uh, loading a gun with uh, you know, at a very early age, loading a gun with uh Uh, gloves on. And I looked at him, I was like, what are you doing, man? And he's like the shells, man. He's like, you don't want to touch the shells. You know? So I was like getting schooled at an early age on pretty much, you know, how to live a life that was, you know, leaning towards the criminal, criminal uh, side of things. And uh, to be honest with you, man, I really, really didn't know any better my entire life. In fact, my dad, I grew up with my, my father was actually in prison. My uh, grandparents adopted me, my mother, she abandoned me at like a very early age, which later on, I found out that that was uh, part of my abandonment issues that I had with women later on, because there was times early on when me and my wife would get into an argument and I had to be the first one that left. Like I would just literally shut down on her and say, okay, I'm gone, bam, off to the bar or off to a friend's house or just gone And I found out later that that was like a response mechanism to being left at an early age by my mother and uh, just the weird things that you do in life. And later on, when you become uh, an individual who likes a little bit of self-discovery and and you start learning things about yourself, you learn all this stuff. So, you know, growing up with a father that was in prison and a mother that left me at an early age, I was uh, raised by my grandparents and really growing up, the expectations of everybody around me was that this this kid's going to end up in prison, right? you know, this kid's going to end up like killing somebody, you're going to end up in prison, going to end up selling, you know, drugs to the wrong person. You know, all of these things were, were labels that a lot of people put on me at a very early age. And uh, to be quite honest, um, the environment that I grew up in uh, was a fighting environment. I mean, I could probably have been in a you know, hundred plus street fights just as a kid alone. I've got, I could sit here and show you You're on, we're on a, with my knuckles right here. You see the ones that are shorter. Yeah. My right hand all broken, broken here, broken here. Um, just from from you know, the the environment that I had to grow up in. I mean, you had to fight back then. It's not like it is. I always tell my son, it's not like it is today, especially where the where you know he grew up at. It's yeah. Very nice area and stuff like that. And uh there are little fights that broke out in school and stuff like that. I'm like, bro, you don't even you don't even know, man. We had to worry about, you know, getting jumped by a gang of people and you know, all of these things that uh went down whenever I was growing up. But I also believe that growing up in in that environment uh, made me very self-aware and also made me very aware of human nature um, and also made me a lot tougher, man. There's just not a lot that, um, you know, uh, I I think it's like, because a lot of people say that, you know, I got some of the highest risk tolerance they've seen in some business things. There's a lot of times I pushed in the chips like over and over and over again. Yeah. And stuff that would, would just scare the shit out of like a normal person. It doesn't really scare me because I've been in so many situations, um, you know, that, that it just doesn't, it just doesn't phase me anymore. And, and I, I have faith, like I know the outcome and, uh, every time I've, I've jumped effectively jumped and the net has appeared uh you know it's it's appeared every time and like i say that you know like you literally there's times in life you got to jump and you've got to expect the net to appear and the only thing that's going to hold you back is fear of hitting the concrete well i mean if you've hit the concrete hundreds of times physically you don't have fear of hitting the concrete anymore that makes a lot of sense yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> so i consider that a gift I mean, I, re- yeah. I really consider that a gift growing up that, uh, you know, I've been, I've been in that environment. Uh, I wouldn't know how to handle life, man, if I grew up in a soft environment where uh, I hadn't learned the things that I learned about people, about things, about the world, stuff like that.
0: So, transitioning from uh, selling cars or street pharmacy um, into what you're doing now. That's a, a little bit of a change, ain't it? <laughs> It is, man. And I'll tell you like kind of
1: how I got started. Uh, This is kind of for the automotive industry here. You guys will know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of people that don't. Um, Believe it or not, I was working for this guy that had a detailing shop down the road from my house. And he had uh, had a real nice little shop there, but he had a contract with one of the big car dealers. And um, as I'm working with him, he he kept coming in and talking about, mind me, like I'm 16 years old, 17 years old now. And I'm working for this guy. and He keeps coming in talking about how these uh, these guys who fix the dents in the car uh, down at this car dealership. And back then it was Dave Arbogast. And I think he's still around he, back up in uh, Ohio. And uh, we were doing all of his cars. I mean, the guy had a massive car dealership, you know, two or three different big brand names. And uh, he sold a lot of them, too. Uh, so we're detailing cars there. And this guy keeps talking about all the big money that these dent guys are making. And what I found out later on, he was talking about paintless dent removal. And all I kept remembering is him telling me like how much money they were making. And he was very jealous about it. He was like kind of uh, complaining about it. You know, here he is, the detailing guy, detailing cars. Back then we were detailing cars for 50 bucks each. Oh, wow. And you no, know, that was the going right back then. The detailing yeah. market has went in the opposite direction. But, you know, we're talking, gosh, 24, 25 years ago you know, the going rate was 50 bucks each. And that's back when a hundred dollars a day was a good day, you know? And, uh, you know, nowadays it's, that's really not a lot. So you can barely get a wash nowadays for that. <laughs> you can barely get a wash. I, I get a wash all the time and I pay much more uh, than fit. I usually pay around 50 bucks for a wash and a vacuum.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: so, but you know, that being said, I just kept hearing him talk about these dent guys. And I, for some reason I was just, uh, uh, I, I, it just, it was something, it just seemed like there was something there. Like I heard something there. And my intuition said, you know, you got to look into this. And I remember back then I got online, I started Googling around and uh, found a few places, two or three places that did training. And then I found, uh, cause I didn't have any money back then, not a lot anyway. And I ended up finding one that was willing to finance me. So I had to go to my, uh, my great grandmother at the time and get her to co-sign a loan for me to get finance, to go out and, and have training at this school. Uh, so I ended up uh, doing that and we ended up going out to Southern California and I, I got training. I got my tools. I got all of these things Well, I came back into the world with training tools and all of these ideas. But I honestly didn't know what I was doing. And I don't know if it was because it was an earlier age. But uh, any, anybody who is in the the paintless dent removal craft, it does have like a two year learning curve, meaning that you really got to do it for like two years solid before you come anywhere near good. And, um, so here I am, I got a bag of tools. I got, uh, you know, very little, uh, I, I basically I never graduated from high school. So I did, I did get my GED eventually. So here I am with a bag of tools, very little, little education. And, uh, I had to go out and build a business. And, uh, I still remember, I also got my grandma to co-sign for me to get a 1990 back then it was a 1998 Ford Expedition. Okay, And uh, it was uh, the Eddie Bauer version, right? So honestly, like back then, I mean, we're talking about 2001, 2002. I mean, I was rolling, you know, and uh, it was uh, a nice car back then. And I got my grandma to co-sign. So here I got this car, I've got these tools and uh, man, it was just literally uh, being hit in the face for like three years solid, like day in and day out, getting turned down, getting rejected, getting into jobs that were over my head not being able to finish the things that I was doing and all, all this kind of stuff, you know, that just happened over and over again. And I still remember to this day, I had a few people that gave me a chance. And one of them was a car dealership by the name of Alan Besco's. And I'm out there at Alan Besco's And I still remember the day that I seen the dents. I was like literally three years into it. And I'm sitting there working on this car dealership on these dents. And all of a sudden it's like the light flipped. And I all of a sudden knew what I was doing. And so I'm literally like faking my way through this shit for like three years, man. And, and, you know, the dents look somewhat better, but I honestly like did not really, I had people convinced that I knew what I was doing, but I did not know what I was doing, man, for like (laughs) three years in this business. And, um, I was so young too. I mean, we're talking about, you know, I mean, shit, I was barely old enough to buy alcohol at the time, uh, by the time I was three years into it. And, uh, you know, I'm walking into these car dealerships trying to pitch myself and all this stuff. I mean, it's honestly, I'm very surprised that every one of them didn't just laugh me out of the door. And uh, lo and behold. Right. So I, I figured out, I'm like, okay, well, now I can do it. Right. All of a sudden, it was like overnight, a light switch just flipped and I became good at it. I mean, like we're decently good. And what happened with me, like, I don't feel like I really had the luxury of having like the real big car dealerships that would just give you the tiny little dents and stuff like that. I was literally thrown into the freaking dog pit, man. I was doing like car and credit lots. I was doing like any, any work that you could possibly do. And when you went to them dealerships, they didn't want the little dings fixed. They wanted big old deer hits fixed. And they wanted all of this crazy shit repaired on their cars that the normal uh, dent technician back then just wasn't doing. So here I am thrown into a shitty situation again. And there was times I remember a Brandon working all day long and not being able to fix the dent and not being paid and just going home with my head hung. And, uh, you know, I I gave it all I had and, and that's all I could do. But each and every time that I did that, I learned a little bit more and I learned a little bit more so. I told myself, I'm like, you know what? This is about the time YouTube started coming around the corner, you know, online videos, stuff like that. We were putting them on my website and all that kind of stuff. Started getting some traction from my website very early on. So I went and bought a little Sony camera and I brought it along with me and I started taking video of these real nasty repairs and I started to get really good at it, man. I'm talking about stuff that was like cars checked into telephone poles. Uh, You know, we're talking about massive deer hits that would hit the front end of the car, collapse the fender, roll all the way down the side, buckle the side rails. I mean, full on, you know, jobs that were just insane from front to back. I was doing tree limbs that were falling down on the side of the cars and smashing the roof rails and i was going in there and pulling them out from the outside using a technique called glue pulling so i started doing before and after videos of videos of this and again uh, what i felt at the time i mean dude when i was done working at the end of a day bro I look like I rolled around like you ever see that one mechanic in the mechanical shop that literally within like 30 minutes of being at work looks like he was sprayed
0: by freaking oil from head from head to toe like dude that's, that's me that's me I could walk in the shop I'm dirty and 30 seconds flat. I look like that
1: all day, man. (laughs) I I, I can still remember the time the sweat wicking shirts came out, you know, the Uh polos that would wick the sweat. I'm like, Oh my God, I finally got a way to look at least somewhat decent throughout the day. Right. Uh, I mean, I, I, and, and that's the, the way it was with me. It looked like I went to war every day that I went out there and I came home. It was hard, man. But I started taking these videos, these before and after videos. And I said, you know, I'm going to put them up on YouTube and my, my website at the time. And then later on, YouTube came around and uh, I'm going to share them with people because, you know, I want more customers and stuff like that. And um, what happened it was kind of crazy because we did get a lot of clients and customers. I eventually ended up with uh, one of the, the biggest you know, franchise automotive companies in our area, ended up growing into a big operation. There was a year that we did over $10 million in sales. Um, but you know, it did not start out that way. We actually got to the point where people would specifically wait, you know, uh, two, three months just to work with me. And it was everything that I did, like all that hard shit that I did, like all these guys did the easy stuff. I went and did the hard shit. And then one day I surpassed them all. Right. And that's because I documented the journey and I actually shared that journey. And a lot of that journey is still out there on YouTube. In fact, it's on, if you guys want to check it out, it's still on a channel that I have called the Tactical Dent Tech channel. It used to be called the Dent Magic John channel, but I changed it because I own a tool line in the industry called Tactical Dent Tools. Um, but long story short, what happened was was strange because I did it for to get business for clients and customers. And it worked really well for that. But what happened was, dent technicians from all over the world, man, from like everywhere from like Australia to even uh, Brazil. I mean, like everywhere around the world, like all these dent technicians started watching my YouTube videos and they started contacting me. So, Uh, I said, you know, there's got to be something here. Right. And at the time I was doing the videos and uh, was doing all of that stuff. So I was learning how to do my video editing off of Kelby training and lynda.com. And I said, you know what? I bet people would pay for this education because I'm getting tired of answering emails You know, I'm not getting paid to answer these guys and teach them what I was doing and all this stuff. And it's okay if you like two or three of them come in, but you get 20 or 30 emails, you know, a week coming in guys asking you to help them. Like at some point, you just can't even answer them all because now you're cutting into family time. I'm also building and running a business. So I said, you know what? I seen a market there. And I said, you know, I'm going to open up the first educational uh, system inside of this industry. And uh, man, it literally took me two years of filming to get all of that stuff ready. We had it in the pipeline for two years. And then in 2014, we launched DentTrainer.com. Um, which later went on to be one of the world's largest educational systems and still is in the automotive industry. I'm currently not part of that. So I sold out last year or sold my part of the business last year because of other things that I'm doing. and I'm just wasn't interested in it anymore. But that being said, we went on and said, okay, well, well now uh, we're, we got the online training, right? So now we've got the automotive repair shops. We got the online training. How about we go ahead and uh, start training people in person? So we ended up opening up an educational company and training people in person. So we started doing these packages where people would fly in and get training from us and our staff. And then we said, you know, well, if we're training them there, well, why don't we have uh, why don't we sell them the tools? So I ended up getting into tool manufacturing. And the craziest thing was a lot of people were just like, dude, like, cause they look at our tool line now and our tool line's got a couple hundred pieces of tools in it. And I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's the most premium tool line in the world. It's one of the most expensive ones. It's like the snap on of, uh, you know, our, that, that industry. And, uh, it's called the, the tactical dent tool line. It's sold at Anson dent tools. So they're the ones who licensed it from me, which was a big win as well. Awesome. Um, but, you know, a lot of people are just like, man, how, how did you do it, man? You've been in, you know, you're running these retail shops. You, you got the online education, you're doing all this stuff. And now you're doing manufacturing and selling tools. Like, how did you even start in that? And to be honest with you, I literally took a pen and a paper and drew my first tool. And I went to the phone book. And at the time I was staying in Dayton, Ohio. I went and, and there's a ton of manufacturers in Dayton. I went and looked through the phone book, and went to the very first guy, probably AAA Tool Manufacturing. Called him. Called the second guy. Called the third guy until somebody picked up and agreed that I could come down there, show them my design, and they would make a prototype for me. And I literally, the first guy that I walked into, he seen my design. He said, "Yeah, I can do that." Within about a week, he had a three D model, and I tweaked three D model and made some changes. And then within two weeks, I had a tool in my hands. That's awesome. By the following month, I had, you know, uh, hundreds and hundreds of tools in my hands. And, uh, and then from there, you know, that line just took on its own life. It ended up growing. And then we said, okay, well now we're selling them the tools. We're selling them the training. We got the online education. We're actually selling the repair service. Right. So why not go ahead and, uh, teach them marketing. So at the time people would realize quickly realized that that entire time I was learning how to build funnels. Um, You know, I had been part of Russell Brunson's early masterminds and anybody who in the marketing world who knows about that knows that most of the leaders in the marketing world right now were part of that early mastermind. And, um, so I was one of the, the original, you know, the OG people with the Joe Polish, you know, the genius network and, uh, the, the masterminds and being taught by Eric Graham how to do copywriting and all this kind of stuff. Because at that time I moved from my, a, a part of my company from doing the dent removals and all that kind of stuff, all the way to becoming the marketer. And I ended up doing that with uh, dent trainer as well. And I ran all of our sales. I ran all of our promotions. I built all of our funnels, assembled our entire team. You know, all of these things that later on made me the marketing savage that you know today were things that I assembled and created and developed back then while I was building all my businesses. You know, you're looking at, you know, accumulated like 15 years of mentorship uh, before I launched my own marketing company. And, you know, people are surprised because they come in and they see me, you know, as like the new guy, because really we launched the marketing Savage company about a year ago, but people are just like, how is the new guy building all this stuff? How is the new guy, you know, creating CRM systems? How's the new guy? I mean, we just did a launch for a client of ours. Um, We got 5 million in leads and we landed a million of them, Uh, you know, a new mastermind that had just recently launched. You probably know, I'm not going to say the name, but you've probably seen it and uh you know people are you know wondering right so i'm working with these other marketers like where did you come from really you know and it's because i'd already been doing this for years and years and years but i was doing it for myself you know we already ran multi million dollar ads in hail damage zones we already ran ads in the automotive industry shoot um I also owned a company called Hail Ads, where we were doing, uh, we were working with uh, over a hundred companies nationwide, uh, expanding their ad reach all over Facebook, all over Google. We were doing the, tar- you know, targeting, retargeting, all that kind of stuff um, at a big level. Uh, shoot, I think one year our just our advertisement ad spend was was over a million dollars for all of these companies accumulated we had that big of an ad spend going out. I mean, there's a lot of data that you receive when you're running ads at that level. Oh yeah. I I can only imagine. So and a lot of learning experience, a lot of troubleshooting, a lot of these things. So my team, when I, when I opened up the marketing Savage and I wrote the marketing Savage book about a year ago, and uh, this was a, uh, honestly, this was about a three-year plan that got executed. I knew what I had to do before I could execute it and make it happen. Right. And, uh, I had to get out of my, as the quarterback out of a few of my companies, put quarterbacks in place, people that can take care of that business, that company, right? Yeah. I had to sell off part of a couple other ones. And, um, some of that was terrible contracts that I entered in early on that I had to get out of, you know, there was a lot of little logistical stuff like that, that I had to do to do what I'm doing today. And, uh, you know, now we're on track, we're doing big shit. We launched our mastermind last month. Um, You may have seen some of the badass
0: photos that we're getting. uh, I did. I'm actually, uh, uh, I got your uh, Facebook pull up here. I was looking at some of those just right before we jumped on and stuff and got it, got it accomplished during the snowpocalypse in Dallas and everything. We
1: did, man. Eleven members couldn't show up because, uh, you know, DFW wasn't even taking flights in at that time. And, uh, but you know what I, what I really want your listeners to realize what we just talked about here, what we just, uh, because a lot of your guys are in the automotive industry, you guys, what I did, you know, and and the big lesson I want you guys to receive from this is I enterprised. So I took one product and I talk about this. I've got an entire speech that I do on this, the hidden gold mine that's in your business. I took one thing, this automotive repair. And I figured out every single thing that I could sell that would be uh, a direct income from exactly what I was doing. Okay. Yep. So, uh, and and it's 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 called enterprising. It's literally taking your business and figuring out like how many different things you can sell inside of that business, and if they complement each other, man, it's incredible. You know, I'll give you an example of that, Brandon. Um, when I launched Dent Trainer, uh, it was the world's largest educational system. That was big time market positioning for me because now my clients and customers would see that on my website. They would not only see me as a automotive company, but they would see me as the leader in education worldwide. And I happen to be in their neighborhood. Wow. It's huge when you do things like that because it positions you. And I think I talked to you about this because even this podcast market positions you in the eyes of people and people will see you as a leader when you share that you are a leader in your industry. You see what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Yeah. So, and it's a cool thing that you're doing here. You know, uh, I'm sure there's going to be so many things that uh, the automotive technicians and the people that. I uh, love to listen to your podcasts. You're going to learn. And uh, man, that
0: stuff just comes around full circles. Well, that's that's the goal with it. Hopefully we can get some different, uh, different aspects of things we got to deal with. I mean, I was talking well, uh, last week or uh, we did a show with uh, James Golden. We were talking about going through and, you know, when you first get into this, yeah, I knew how to build the cars and everything but I don't know shit about the business or the marketing or you know the books and some of this other stuff so I'm hoping this will kind of give leads some people into the the resources they're going to need to get some of that done and you're definitely one of those resources I mean for I've had several people ask this is uh John and his team are the ones that just did our uh our new website doing our marketing doing a lot of this this is the guy right here so yeah, man. He I does, appreciate
1: that. They, they hey, do and awesome I'm working with, stuff. you just mentioned James Golden. We're rebranding his whole company. Awesome. He was one of the folks that couldn't make it. His air, his plane, uh, his flight got canceled coming into Dallas. So, uh, but yeah, we're we're doing some big things over there, the pavement management company. Yep, And uh, pretty cool stuff, man. Pretty cool stuff. Like, it's so weird when a business like that, like, I don't know if James talked about his business on here. Yeah, we did some. Yeah. But like, like I had never realized that there was a need for pavement management. It just seemed like the cities could, you know, look around and say, wow, we got a bunch of potholes, but man, that (laughs) dude has got like some, some, uh, software that will actually compare it to national averages and drive down the road and actually pinpoint where the hot potholes are and give them real time, like feed data uh, letting them know that like, Hey, your streets are way
0: worse than everything
1: else that's out there. And, uh, you guys need to get out there and start filling
0: some potholes. Yeah. Yeah. He, t- he talked about some of that and some of the stuff he's, uh, he didn't mention too much about it, what he's, what's coming. Uh, but he said he's got some new stuff that's going to be even, even more awesome. So he's got a software that's going to be really, really cool coming out. That's, that's awesome. I, I'm happy for him. I, I, I really do like that dude. Ever ever since the first time I got to meet him. He's a good one, man. Yeah. Well, all you guys are, you know that. Oh yeah, man. There's not very many people that I I can say that I don't
1: like inside of Apex. I mean, you know, they get their occasional scammer and uh, you're going to get that inside of big groups like Apex and, but they quickly find these people and it doesn't take long for them to realize and kick them out, uh, which is super important because I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that make a lot of money in these groups. If they get a scammer in there, uh, they can take advantage of a lot of people. Yeah. Real quick. Where, where people, where a lot of scams come down are investments. When you get people that start talking a little too high and mighty about a certain investment. Now we, we know the investors in the group that are good. You know, I think we were talking about Tony Kasai who owns the insider investor club. That's probably one of the one filters, you know, him and Jeff Ducharme and, you know, th- those guys, right. Like them are the guys that I trust. Yep, but when exactly. some, uh, when some new guy comes along and and he starts talking about how there's no risk, that's when, you know, it's bullshit. If anybody wants to pitch <laughs> an investment to you and they say, there's absolutely no risk, then you need to turn around and walk the other way because that's a bold faced lie. There's never an investment that does not have a risk associated with it. I mean, the world could fall apart tomorrow. You know, that's the risk. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a risk. You know, it, it's honestly, nothing's guaranteed when it comes to an investment. So that's a, one of the things I learned from Tony and working with Jeff and all them guys that, man, that's the, like one of the buzzwords they look out for. So you got to be careful. And well, you know, that's a cool thing for me and you to talk about because You know, Brandon, what I found and and that I found that a lot of the guys out there, especially the um, the businessmen in our industries. Right. So, you know, we got a lot of guys that are good old boys and stuff like that, but a lot of them want to be businessmen. Right. A lot of them want to build a really good business and a lot of them want to start doing things in such a way that businessmen do. Right. Yeah. And I found that opening up that investment conversation inside of my industry was like a lightning rod. Because, well, number one, I found that we had a lot of people that were doing some really cool shit, you know, like guys you wouldn't even think were investing, that were buying like all kinds of, you know, NFTs and, you know, all these things and had all of this knowledge. But uh, it's, it's definitely a segue, something for a podcast like this to talk about and expand into because, uh, you know, you're, you're going to have a lot of people that, that have that type of that type of interest. I mean, you know, especially when you talk about like if you got guys like Kale Goodman who teaches you, Kale will teach you how to invest your money, increase your personal net worth by using your business
0: without paying a bunch of taxes. Nice. Yeah, that's that's a lot of the stuff that I haven't been able to grasp yet. Uh, Be 100 percent honest. I'm I'm still the. uh, Ignorant car guy when it comes to that stuff would be the (laughs) I think the correct way to put it. But, you know, it's it's the kind of things that you're going to be looking
1: at in the future. I mean, how old are you now? Forty three. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that right now in this, this, you know, day and age, you're going to be thinking about doing, you know,
0: you're going to be thinking
1: about moving ways to move money and, you know, shoot, I've seen a lot of people do things as simple as, uh, in the automotive industry is buying their location, Uh you know, uh, you're making sure that they get into a location. that's going to have some value. It's going to be worth some money in the future and buying that and putting that as part of their retirement plan.
0: Yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of options out there. I've been paying attention in Apex and seeing, you know, kind of what they're doing, who's doing what. And, um, I don't know anything about it, but I'm watching, trying to uh, learn as we go.
1: That's understandable, man. Understandable. It's definitely a definitely a new world. And the more you hang out with the guys, the Apex executive guys, that's all. That's uh, Basically, that's the language. <laughs> that's the first thing. Got to learn the language. That's the language, man. It really is, you know. And uh, that's when you know you're in a, a room of uh, you know folks that get you know they get to the point where they're they become what they wouldn't call the investment class. And the thing I like about them guys is they're the investment class, but they're just like me and you. You know what I mean? Yep. You know, most of them got tattoos. They got you know rough around the edges in some way. And, uh, you know, whether they did a little bit of time in prison or you know, whatever, whatever it was, man, you, you just got all, all kinds of people
0: in, in that group and that movement. So I heard something on, um, you mentioned on the podcast you did with Tony, uh, you did a little bit of car audio and stuff too. Yeah. I mean, uh, early on, uh,
1: I, I still remember when I was, uh, God, this would have probably been when I was around 16 years old. I'm, I was, uh, basically, I just wanted to be a business owner. Like I really wanted to be a business owner. And I seen an opportunity when I don't know if you remember these or if you've seen these in the past, but my my grandfather, uh, who I'd worked at his car dealership that I was telling you about earlier, would get these catalogs sent to him with all this audio stuff in it, man. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you know, these big old thick catalogs uh, filled with audio and uh, stereo equipment. And it was almost unbelievable. You'd be turning around and be like, oh my God, they want like 50 bucks for a Serwin mega. right? <laughs> and, uh, or they, I mean, you know, I would just sit there and look through and I'm like, wow. I mean, they were giving him wholesale deals. It was right. literally like a wholesale to a car dealership type deal. So uh, they actually had something. I got a hold of them and found out that they had, a catalog that they could send me that didn't have any prices in it. And then I had the catalog that had the prices in it. Right. Right. So what I would do is I'd go along and I'd ask my friends to tell me what they wanted and I'd let them know I'd put together a package or something like that. So I'd have them point out all the different speakers and I'd go through it with them. And then I would go back to my cal- uh, catalog that had the prices and I'd figure out what my markup was. Right. Yep. So, you know, if um, and, and I think back then, I mean, shit, being at that age, I was probably making, you know, $20 off of this or $10 off of that or whatever. Right. And I was probably trying to make a hundred bucks or something like that in the transaction. And uh, I would basically take their deposit and I would order uh, all the stuff. And then when it came into my dad's or my, my grandpa's car dealership, I would take it and, you know, and, and sell it to them. So early on, that was actually one of the very first uh, legit businesses that I started. And I went around to I still remember that I went around to the community colleges and I went around to uh, the high, through the high school. And I handed out flyers. I put flyers everywhere. And and through the community college, I went and put flyers on every single one of the the public notice. Uh, Like they had like these little posts that you could put things on. And it was like, people would sell things on it, stuff like that. I mean, that's literally how I started. And then I remember I even got to the point where um, back in the day, there used to be like this. I don't know if you remember this, or if you had this locally, there used to be this weather channel that would just sit there and it was just like bright yellow and it had a couple red banners that would run across it. And it would, you know, it was like literally a channel that just had nothing but this bright yellow thing that had like, uh, the weather on it, you know, the time on it and, uh, had some announcements at the top. And then at the bottom, it had advertising. It would literally flip advertisement by advertisement by advertisement. And I remember it was like 50 bucks a month. And I actually invested in, in that early on. So when people would watch the little weather channel, they would see my audio stereo advertisement. And later on, I actually started doing it in the automotive stuff. You know, the 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 auto body repair, the dent removal, all that stuff, the detailing. Right on.
0: So last year was uh, really busy for you. Um, you, you, Let's see, was the book came out last year, right?
1: Yeah, the book came out last year. So yeah, we dropped that in July. Moved to Texas. Yeah. Ended up moving to Texas last year. Yes, I did. From, uh, got the mastermind. Yeah.
0: Got the mastermind, uh, rolling and uh, you just did your first one in January, right? Yep. Also launched my inner circle. Yeah. So it's been, uh, been quite a whirlwind year.
1: It's crazy because I look back and I don't feel like I was really that busy, you know, which is weird. And I, I think that's something that, uh, that you realize when you're an individual who's very driven is that you look back and you feel like you didn't do enough. Right. It's like, it's like the lazy people that like do just a little bit and they think that they do a lot and it's the super motivated people that do a
0: lot and look back and just think that they've only did a little. Right. Yeah. And I'd like to think I, uh, i get some stuff done but i feel most of the time i need to do more so <laughs> yeah yeah but that's what drives us though you know that's yeah. what drives us absolutely so um, i also seen uh i think you had posted up you bought a uh, a new mercedes not very long ago
1: i bought yeah i got two two new ones i bought a brand new s-class and then i brought bought a brand new
0: gt oh nice yeah the four-door gt yeah i i seen those on uh it was your Facebook or something. I'd seen you posted pictures. So,
1: you, man, I never thought I was going to buy a Mercedes, man. But uh, I ended up um, going into a Mercedes dealership back home. And I just honestly liked the guys that were in there, man. And uh, I felt like their customer service was like next level. I mean, they were just... Uh, taking care of me. And before I, I, you know, I'd bought you know, a bunch of like Corvettes and, you know, I've had, you know, all kinds of different cars and, uh, went into Mercedes and just felt like I was blown away by their service. And then when I bought one, I was like, Holy shit. I mean, this thing is like really nice. And uh, I started out with a, a GLE AMG it was my first Mercedes that I ever bought. And it's the coupe version. And, uh, still, it's still sitting out there. It's 2019. I gave it to my son recently. And, uh, so he got his upgrade, uh, just a few weeks back when I bought the brand new GT and, uh, to believe it or not, the brand new four-door GT was on my, my dream list. And, uh, it was something that I had wrote down because we, we seen one and have you ever seen the insides of the interiors of them cars? I have, I mean, it looks like a spaceship on the inside. Yeah. it's Awesome. Yeah. The moment that I seen one, I was like, man, I've got to have one of them. And the S-Class was by accident because I was actually selling them my son's old car. And I happened to go in there and I'm like, wow. I'm like, why does the S-Class look so much different? He's like, well, this is the brand new one. And I'm like, holy shit. So I opened it up and the door handles came out like a Tesla and they were all lit up. And I'm like, wow, man, that's incredible. So I jumped in there. And at the time I was looking at a Rolls Royce, I was like, uh, gonna buy like a couple year old Rolls Royce. And i had already went out and test drove it. And I was kind of planning on, on buying it very soon. And I got in that S-Class and I took off in it, man. And that thing floated and it rides better than a Rolls Royce, man. I'm telling you that thing, you cannot feel a bump. The new 2022 S-Class is like incredible the ride that that thing has on it. And I had this whole thing this year. I was like, you know, I'm like, man, I got this big old truck out here. It looks kind of crazy. It's a Rocky Ridge, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Chevy, Chevy truck. And, you know, it's pretty cool. It's got a gun safe in the center console. I was like, but you know what? I want something that just feels a little bit more mature, man. Like, you know, th- I, I just told myself, I'm like, you know, I work with a lot of clients that pay me hundred thousand dollars plus a year to work with them. And I'm Just like you know, I'm just I just want that feeling. I want that feeling. I, I, I had not have that feeling where you know you just jumped in a car and it was just pure fucking luxury class, you know? Yeah. Uh would almost remind you like the old Cadillacs, the way the old Cadillacs made you feel, you know. And uh, so that's what compelled me to get get the S class. And uh man, that's that's one hell of a car. It's like a Tesla on the inside. Like like yesterday was a Valentine's Day, and I got in the car and there was Uh, roses floating on my screen and it told me happy Valentine's day marketing savage when I got in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I literally had to take a video and send it to my wife Uh, on Christmas day. It put me a Christmas hat on my avatar picture and the screen was snowing the entire time. Like it's honestly like these little details inside of that car that are just absolutely crazy. Uh, Not to mention you can ask it to open the sunroof for you. It'll open the sunroof for you. Uh, you can ask it to turn on the massage seats for you. It'll do that. Uh, I think they say like 90% of that car is controlled by voice.
0: Wow. I I don't think I'd heard that yet. That's, that's neat. You can set up hand gestures as well. I I have heard about the hand gestures and stuff. Um, yeah, my, my wife's found a, uh, Mercedes SUV she likes. So that may be our next purchase, but yeah, may have to wait just a little bit. yeah, but yeah. well, so. I, I think uh, we're about 45 minutes in here. We've got a hell of a lot out of that, have a lot of value. So um, you want to kind of tell people where they can find you and as far as um, they're needing a website build, need some marketing done, all that stuff where they can, where they can get a hold of Mr. Hiley.
1: Sure, man. As of right now, just head on to the Marketing Savage Facebook group easy to find. You can find all my information, all my details inside of the Marketing Savage Facebook group. Um, You can also, if you want to fill out a form or something like that, connect with us, contact us. You can head on over to marketingsavage.com. But what I really want your audience to have as a takeaway uh, from this podcast is, number one, uh, that, man, you know, uh, I started out at a very, very, low level in the automotive industry, man. I like to say there was times when I was so low, a mosquito wouldn't even bite me. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I was able to not only build one hell of a business, I was able to enterprise it into multi-millions of dollars of multiple different businesses. And it's the same thing that a lot of you can do. And I'm not saying you got to do what I did, but what I'm saying is there's a lot of different things inside of your businesses that you can enterprise And that you can grow. And, you know, some of these things are not going to take much more time than what you currently, you know, what you're currently spending on your business today. So I really want people to start looking inside of their business to find them hidden gold mines, them hidden gems inside of their business, them things that they can utilize to make additional revenue, to grow their business, to grow their dreams, And, uh, man, just get out there and look around guys, take my story and just know that if I did it, you certainly can do it. And, uh, I think really that's my message that what I, that's what I was, uh, you know, brought here to teach people is that if I can do it, you certainly can do it. And I'm telling y'all right now that, um, you know, you guys want some really good marketing advice. You want some marketing tips, stuff like that. Just head on over to the marketing savage Facebook group, but also check out the marketing revolution podcast, so that is my podcast and I've got probably 300 episodes over there. And a lot of them are very short episodes that get to the point and, and, and they're ve- it's a very value-driven podcast. So there's some additional resources that you guys uh, have for me that are, of course, free of charge that you can use. And, uh, and another thing, any of y'all who are interested in the book, head on over to Amazon. It's uh, for sale on Amazon. It's Marketing
0: Savage. Awesome. And yes, definitely go check it out. And like I said, I've had some people ask me about who's done our new site and everything else, man. I I always got to put it out there. So I appreciate you taking the time to jump on here, man. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see you in Dallas soon. Hey, right on, brother. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thank you, sir. Thank you for tuning into the Business Cars and Cigars podcast. Make sure to share this with someone you know that can benefit from this content. Remember to support this show by rating, reviewing and subscribing.